Taking years to write a book is so last century. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. I help aspiring authors move toward their dreams of career authordom by mastering their story, mastering their words, and mastering their marketing. If you're ready to put your head down and do the work necessary to eventually live off your fiction royalties, then tune in each week. I'll give you actionable tips and hacks, as well as inspiring interviews with writers who are already doing this. We are prolific authors. Good morning, everyone. Today I have a super fun interview for you with Ivan Scott, and I had a lot of fun talking um, to Ivan because he is very unique as an author. He is a man who writes romance, which I personally think happens probably more than we realize, but it's still fun to talk to someone about it, and he's very open about it and very willing to talk about it with us. Um, he's overcome a lot of obstacles like dyslexia, lots of rejections of his first book, you know, typical authorly stuff. So I just really want to get right into the interview. I will say Happy New Year. I hope that everybody had a great holiday. I was actually supposed to be back last week and I didn't quite make that, but I'm back this week. Lots of crazy stuff going on in the world. So now is the time to be focusing on your stories and in bringing, you know, escapism and hope to people's lives. I also do want to mention one other thing. Ivan mentions a website where you can get free templates and it's called Free Pick. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes so that you can uh, click on the link, but keep in mind how you spell it. It's free, F-R-E-E-P-I-K, not P-I-C. I was first looking for it and put in P-I-C, and um, let's just say a very adult website popped up. <laughs> okay, so I don't want you to make that mistake. If you're looking for free pick, it's F-R-E-E-P-I-K, and you can go to that in the show notes, okay? So I'm not going to say much else. Let's just hop right into the interview with Ivan because there's lots of good stuff in it. All right, so we are here with Ivan Scott. How are you doing today, Ivan? Uh, great, Lisa. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> uh, as we were talking about before we hit record, we're kind of we're uh, recording this in the first week of November, so it's kind of a crazy week and lots going on in the world, right? <laughs> yes, there is. There is. Yeah. If, if you ever get bored, just turn on TV and watch what's going on with political stuff. So. Right. Right. <laughs> always, always drama to be had somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so you are an author, and why don't we start by just having you introduce yourself and you know who you are and what you do and what you write. Okay, uh, my name is Ivan Scott, and I uh, live in Atlanta uh, with my family. Um, I have a redheaded wife, and she's kind of the inspiration for the protagonists in, in my books. Uh, so if not, she probably would, you know, uh, you know, kill me. So I'm like, okay, you, you could be the protagonist. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, we have two kids, and we have a very mischievous rat terrier named Beasley. And you probably see have seen her in some of the pictures on my Instagram. So uh, she's not in the room with me right now. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> she would be hamming it up because it's like, okay, well, what are you doing on that thing that you're you're uh, typing on that thing there? Why don't you play with me instead? So right, right. So, yeah, so she's great. But um, yeah, I um, uh, have written two books. And I'm in the process of uh, writing a third. Um, my okay. books are uh, romantic fiction or contemporary fiction, depending on, you know, how you look at it. Um, sometimes I think about, you know, are they rom-coms? But they're not traditional rom-coms, but there is a lot of humor in it because it's one of the things I like to write about and, and have the reader kind of share with me is, you know, just, you know, laugh at life and, and not take things too seriously. And, it's neat because some of the characters that I've been able to create, it's just so much fun to put that humor in there and, and make sure that they're not dull and, and uh, the reader gets a big right. kick out of them. So um, I think you and I had, you know, maybe uh, in the in the pre-interview, uh, uh, like we talked about, 
uh, before my journey to become a writer is, is crazy. Um, I've, uh, first off, I have dyslexia. So writing is a little bit of a challenge for me, but uh, yeah. it's one of those things that, you know, I just enjoy doing and it does take me a little bit longer to put stuff together, but you know, you kind of find a way through it because it is a passion. And hopefully right. for your, your viewers out there, when, when they watch this, if they ever have any, you know, challenges like that, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you can get through it. So hopefully it'll be a little bit of an inspiration because, you know, I was able to do it. So I'm sure they could too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, with my first book, I was rejected by 303 potential agents and publishing houses. Wow. Uh, so that, yeah, that was a bit of uh, a tough, tough thing. But going back to the, the, the passion thing, you know, this is something that I love to do. And I think with passion and persistence, you just kind of say, okay, this one didn't work out. I'm on to the next one. Um, and when I hit the wall there, I was like, okay, well, traditionally, you know, the traditional published route um, is probably not going to happen. So what are my options? And so that's when I decided to do the self-publishing route. And I'm mm -hmm. so fortunate and so blessed that things worked out and Amazon and Barnes and Noble and some of the other uh, uh, places out there have given me the opportunity to put my work out. So my uh, second book, same kind of thing, ran into the wall, traditionally published, you know, I couldn't, you know, get anybody to help. So decided to self-publish and, um, you know, and haven't really looked back since. So yeah. for anybody else that's watching, there are other ways that you can get through it. Um, so don't ever give up. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, there, there, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, the dyslexia. How did you, how did you overcome it? Were there, are there particular things you have to do in order to get your writing done or just push through it or certain exercises or, you know, tell us about that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, with, with dyslexia, it's kind of funny because it's um, uh, one of those things where it does take me a little bit longer, but the, you kind of look for the, the positive in any circumstance. And I think with having dyslexia, I'm more creative than, um, you know, than I would be when you, know, you just look at certain things and say, okay, uh, it's kind of like a roadmap. Usually people will go from A to Z and they go this direction. But with dyslexia, it's like, okay, I'm going to go A to Z, but I'm going to go A to B and then maybe to D and then to S and then to D and then finally get there. <laughs> So it does help with the creative process. Um, sometimes I will look at it and it's like, you know what, the ideas are just not coming tonight or the sentences are just not coming. And so sometimes I'll look at it and say, you know what, it's okay to put things away uh, tonight. And then tomorrow you wake up and you say, okay, let's get back to it. Um, so as far as um, dyslexia, there are times when I get a little frustrated and it's like, you know what, it's just not happening tonight. But uh, that's when you just kind of take a breath. And, you know, sometimes, I'll, and, and this is kind of the way that I kind of cope through it is I'll say, you know, I'll talk to my characters and I'll say, all right, you guys have the night off, go to the bar, go get you know, dinner, <laughs> uh, go out, do whatever you want, and we'll get back together tomorrow. So um, that's fun. <laughs> I, that's what I will do, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. And it happens, but uh, the biggest thing is to not uh, let it overtake you. And so, you know what? I, I just can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Basically, you just kind of take a breath and say, eh, no problem. Get back to it tomorrow. Right. That's, that's great. That's a, that's a really healthy way to look at it. I like that. Um, so you said that you were rejected 303 times. So in between those rejections, were you changing the story at all? M making it, you know, like trying to edit more or was it the same story every time? Yeah, you know, I did edit, uh, you know, here and there, you know, I would, I would, uh, you know, write it and then maybe set it aside for a day or two and then get a fresh pair of eyes on it and then say, you know what, yeah, this kind of is a little, mm, let me change this, let me do this. The other thing, uh, Lisa, that was a big help for me was um, in the writers groups that I'm on in my social media, whether it's, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, um, I was able to get what's called 
thing is they will trade with you and say, hey, I, you know, I'm a writer too, so can you look over my work? I'll look over yours. And what, will, what they will do is it's great because you get a fresh set of eyes on it. They give you suggestions and they give you edits and they'll say, you know what, you know, she's wearing a red dress here, but in this next paragraph, she's in a green dress, you know, those <laughs> kind of things. Or, yeah. you know, uh, in the plot here, you know, I'm not so sure that this person, you know, uh, judging by what I've read in their characters so far would react this way. So maybe rethink this. And so um, having beta readers was a big, big help. And, you know, I was kind of on a shoestring budget. Uh, and if I, if I could afford it, I would have hired a professional editor. But those sometimes are thousands of dollars. Right. So um, I was able to find an editor who edited a couple chapters for me and kind of give me a little bit of, uh, of this direction, maybe send it this way, and then here are your strengths. Here are some things maybe you might want to work on, that kind of thing. But with beta readers, um, I would get between five and 10 beta readers. And um, the other thing that was neat about that was is that reading other people's fiction and also reading fiction books uh, as well helps with your writing. And I don't know if you found that or not, but when I read other fiction, it's me when I go to my writing. So, so for the viewers out there who uh, want to use a beta reader, I suggest between five and 10. That way you get a really great slice of diversity and uh, different eyes looking at it. Uh, and that'll be a big help. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have um, a group, a critique group that kind of does that same thing for me, but we've, we've been together for years. And yeah, it, it almost becomes like a, um, I always say we're not so much a, group, a critique group, it's, it's almost like a mastermind group, only it's all focused on your fiction, you know, so that you can kind of hash out all the ideas. And it is, it's, it's very, very helpful. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. So you did mention um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So are you wise with your fiction then, rather than exclusive? Uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Yeah. Are you, um, you, you mentioned Barnes and Noble. So are you wide with your fiction then you're on, you're not just exclusive to Amazon. Um, but, um, if you go wide with it, that way more people and more uh, organizations can, can get a look at it and, uh, you get it out there to more people in more places. So yes, I do go wide. Uh huh. Good. Good. And how do you, how do you go about promoting your fiction? Yeah, here comes the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things, I mean, I love self-publishing and, and all that, but one of the things that I wish I was traditionally is because they take care of all the promotion and all the marketing, but when you self-publish, it's all on you, and I'm sure you probably went through that too, so you, mm -hmm. you really have to get creative. Fortunately, my full-time job is I'm a video producer, um, and so I'm used to using, you know, um, uh, Premiere Pro and Photoshop and those kind of uh, uh, tools, and so I'm able to create my own ads, and so what I'll do is I'll create an ad through Photoshop where I'll have a, a picture of the book, uh, and it looks like it's in an iPad and somebody's reading it, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and then I'll post on all my social media sites and also on my website and those kind of things. So, um, so that's what I'll do. The other thing is, is that when you really, um, you know, when you're self-publishing, you have to be creative and find, you know, ways to get the word out. And like you, right. you and I are talking right now, I found you and I was like, Hey, I would really love to be on your, your podcast. So mm -hmm. for those that are self-published out there, it's like, you got to beat the bushes. Um, and back yeah. to, you know, something where it's a passion of yours. It's, it doesn't feel like work at all. It, it's like, okay, well, where's the next one? Let me talk to this person and let me create this ad and let me go to this website and that kind of thing. So um, I think that if you, you know, it goes back to that thing. If you really want something to happen, you'll figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, it's true. And I think sometimes it just comes with experience. You know, of course, newbie authors may not have any idea how to do it, but there's so many people in the space teaching how to do it and you just got to get out there and do it, you know, more than anything else. Um, and well, I think too that 
you know, you were saying traditionally published authors get every, all the marketing done for them. I actually don't think that's true anymore. I think it used to be back like in the eighties and nineties when they would organize book tours for you and things. But now, I mean, I'm not traditionally published, so I, I don't know for sure, but from everything I've heard, they're going now, even traditionally published authors these days with, you know, the digital revolution, they usually have to do their own marketing too. So whether you're getting traditionally or self-publishing, you still have to participate yeah. in the marketing. So I say you might as well go uh, self-publishing and then you keep more of your royalties anyway. <laughs> right. And the creativity because they can't come in right. and say, hey, that character needs to be a blonde or this character needs right. to be, you know, drive a such and such car, you know, that kind of thing. No, that's great. Yeah. You know, and funny about being a self-published author, every day I kind of feel like, okay, I need to learn something new. And I just learned something new, you know, which is <laughs> publishing. So that's great. Um, you know, one thing I did want to mention um, is in the research that I found, there are websites um, that will have uh, free uh, templates. Um, there's one that I use, it's freepick.com, and uh, you can download templates, and then what you do is you just put your cover in where the template is, and then boom, you've got an ad right there that, that, that you've just created, and it's really, really simple. There's some other places that, um, uh, you know, we haven't touched on uh, book uh, cover art, and I mm -hmm. have a great you know, book cover. Um, yeah, I was going to so, ask you about that. Yeah, um, and so what I did, and fortunately, um, you know, using Photoshop and just kind of thinking to myself, okay, this is what I want it to look like. And by no means am I <laughs> savvy when it comes to that kind of thing. But fortunately, it's, you know, I gave, I gave myself a lot of time to say, okay, this is, you know, this is the color that I want. Mm, let's try this. And um, funny because um, I'll just show you, like, you know, the first book, Redhead in a Blue Convertible, it was, you know, really simple because I, I found a car and I animated it and then got the colors and the gradient and all that. Um, uh -huh. And then with Redhead and a Ghost Rider, um, this picture here is a picture of the beach that when we were at Hilton Head Island, and I was able to edit it in Photoshop and just make it look like, um, you know, it was, it was totally animated. And right. the girl on the cover, I had a, a friend of mine who said, you know, she does look pretty good, but let me, my, my daughter is really good with Photoshop. Let me see if she can spruce up the redhead a little bit. And so she helped me. So it just, nice. it's funny how, how things kind of come to come and are created. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, is I found on the internet, you can download uh, book templates and there was a, and mm. I forget the name of the site, but I downloaded, um, and I want to say it was between 30 and 30, 30 or 35 book templates. And it was like $19, same kind of thing. Whereas you download these templates and you just change the title of it. You maybe put a mm. picture in there if you want, that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of resources. And back to what you were saying about, you know, the fun of, of self-publishing, you know, you create that, you know, it's like, if you want this person here, boom, you've got it. Or if you want this color, you've got it. You're not at the, right. at the mercy of anybody to, to say, okay, no, you got to do it this way. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun sometimes. Trial and error. Don't get discouraged. Um, you know, just try certain things. And it is a lot of fun. And once you get it done, you're like, oh my God, I just created that. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, I did look at your book covers before we uh, came to the interview and they, they really pop, you know what I mean? I think you've got, you did a good job putting a lot of contrast on them. There's a lot of authors who, um, you know, don't know what to do for their cover or, you know, obviously aren't cover designers. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned. I mean, you want your, your covers to portray the genre, obviously. But the other thing is you got to have contrast. you got to make it pop. And the bland covers are the ones that just won't sell. So, I mean, your covers are amazing looking, you know. Thank I'll link you. to them in the show notes so people can go look at them because they're, they're really, really fun. Yeah, well, no, I appreciate that. And it's funny you mentioned that because that old – 
Well, in this case, no, you do need to judge a book by its cover because if you get a really good cover, like you talked about, something that pops, it's going to, you know, people are going to say, hey, okay, well, that's cool. Now let me let me open it up and see what's inside. Right. So, and, you know, maybe right. I get that from my wife because we always joke about, you know, she'll, when she gets dressed for work in the morning, she'll, you know, have like, uh, she's wearing like something red and black. She'll put on like red boots or red shoes or whatever. She's like, okay, I got to pop a color today and we'll kind of laugh about that. So eh, maybe that's where I got that from. Yeah, maybe. That's fun. That's fun. Well, no, so um, tell me this, you, you talked about how a lot of times traditional or publishing companies can kind of have some say over your creativity. I mean, obviously with the cover and the, th the things that they produce for the book, but even with what's written, like making you change the characters or making you change the story, did you find that when you were submitting those 303 times and getting rejected? Were they, were they telling you you needed to change the story a lot? The, the feedback that I got, most of it was, you know, this just, the stories can compelling, but it's just not for me. Um, there was one, because um, I'm a member of the Atlanta Writers Club, and so we had a deal where the, we had a, a workshop, and one of the, um, uh, uh, the critique was, um, you know, in this character, I think that she needs to be a little stronger in this area, or maybe change her to this, and so I did get a little bit of feedback, but really that was just the, I only had just the one person that did that, so it was a little discouraging because I'm like, okay, you, you know, the story isn't for you, and I totally respect that because, you know, you got to respect that, you know, this just isn't my bag, or I'm just not that interested. No worries there, but I wasn't getting that feedback of, you know, the story is not believable, or this mm -hmm. character is, you know, is, is kind of a jerk, and I don't like, you know, those kind of things. So that was, you know, it's getting rejected, but why is it getting rejected? So. Right. Um, yeah, I have a, a friend who's an author, um, I won't go into too many details, but she was trying to get a book of hers traditionally published, and the feedback they were giving her, it, it became really obvious that there was a political agenda in there, and her book wasn't even political, it was a fantasy, but it was like they were so fanatical about that political agenda that they were trying to water down her story, and I just was going, I, I have such a huge problem with that, I mean, as long as I understand that you don't want to portray anything in fiction that would be offensive to people, but Uncle Tom's Cabin was a world-changing book that now would be considered racist. You know what I mean? And, and the point is that it was portraying that in a negative light so that it could, you know, kind of spur societal change. And I feel like not with everybody, obviously not every company or not every publisher is like this. Um, so it's not a blanket statement, but you have to be careful, I think about um, signing with these people because as you said if you sign with a publishing company they do have a certain amount of say over what's in the story and I feel like you know there are some there's kind of a movement of moving away from really visceral stories because they're too afraid of offending people and yeah. for my side of things I feel like it needs to be more visceral it needs to be more emotional it needs to be more over the top if you can possibly make it be because that's what really makes people feel the story you know so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, and I agree. I think, um, you know, you want to put it out there and you want to reach inside and grab the reader's heart. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not saying you want to do this in a negative light where you want right. you know, to have, a, you know, whatever, but you want to, you know, stir those emotions. Um, and I think that, that the success as a writer is, is the, 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 the authors and the writers that can do that and pull the reader in and get them emotionally involved. That's the whole key to it. So whatever, right. if it's, if it's a fantasy where you have, you know, dragons and, and, you know, castles and all that, and that's something that the reader really likes, then great. Or if you have a, a love story, you know, like, like mine, you know, where they, mm -hmm. they can identify with the characters, you know, I think that's, that's kind of the bread and butter. And, and when you're writing your story, yes, you want to write it for yourself. And then you think, okay, when somebody reads that, I want them to share the same emotions that I have when they read my story. 
um, you know, real quick right. in my first book, um, Redhead in a Blue Convertible, the, the idea that I got for the story was um, I, I saw a story on the internet about an older lady who was uh, called a taxi cab late at night. Cab driver came to get her. Uh, mm-hmm. She had her bags packed. And so the guy thought, well, she's going to the airport. She's going to the bus station. She's going on a trip. So, you know, just, you know, long story short, what they did was is that she told him to go to all the uh, special places that were uh, in her life that meant something to her. So they went by, you know, this is the place where my husband and I met. This is the place where our kids went to school. This is where, um, you know, uh, I, uh, you know, met my husband, you know, those kind of things. And then at the end of the trip, instead of going to the bus station or the airport, he, the lady told him to take her to an assisted living facility. And so it was like the, she was doing one last tour of the places and the people that were special to her before mm-hmm. she had to go in, and go to this part of her life where she was going to have pretty much her freedom taken away. So it got right. me to, you know, as I get older, where are the places that I would go? Who would I see? How would this make me feel? And so in, in writing that, I want the reader to think to themselves, you know, hey, where would I go? Uh, if I only had 24 hours left to see the places and see the people that were special to me. So, you know, Lisa, with you, I'm sure, you know, once we get done, maybe think about that. It's like, if I only had a day to, you know, see all these places, where would I go? And what would that make me feel like? And, you know, and and that kind of thing. So back to the connection, it's like, when you write your stories, you want to make that connection with the reader um, and, and get them emotionally involved. Back to what you're talking about as well. You know, if it's visceral, then it is visceral. But you know, sometimes people say, no, it wasn't visual enough for me. I need more. Right. Of it. So, right. Yeah, so I wouldn't be afraid of that. I think that you really need to be uh, confident in, yeah. in your ability and say, this is the story. It's everything. I'm putting my heart into this. I'm putting it out in the world. And if you like it, you like it. And if not, I'm not going to be afraid about, uh, you know, your comments that, you know, hey, it's not really for me. Right. Yeah. And I found too, I mean, I've written some, you know, historical fiction that has some real historical battles, you know, that, that could, you know, easily offend someone if they're just not into that. And I found that, you know, if you find your true readers, they'll go with you. They're not going to be offended. And of course, we all know there's trolls on the internet, but most of them, like you say, if they don't like it, they'll just be like, yeah, that's not for me. You know, it's like one in a thousand that's going to give you a hard time about it. So you just got to learn yeah. to ignore them. And, you know, trolls and all that, it, it's rough, but you got to think it's like, no matter how bad they, you know, trash your book or whatever, just think to yourself, okay, Last year at this time, what was I doing? Okay, this year I have a book out. I'm working on a second book and so on. It's like if I wasn't doing that, people wouldn't be taking shots at me. So you can kind of turn it into a positive. And obviously, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't either. And I know you wouldn't want people to be trolling your work. But if it ever happens, think to yourself, okay, well, I'm doing something productive and I'm doing something that I love. So this is going to happen because if people don't take shots at me, hey, I'm not not following my dreams. Yeah. Sorry, you cut out there just a little bit. Can you just repeat that last part? Sure, sure. If you if uh, people are not uh, if you're not putting yourself out there, uh, you're not following your dreams. You're not following your passion, and it's like, okay, would you rather be sitting at home doing nothing, kind of sheltered away, and and saying, oh, I'm I'm too afraid to do this, or would you rather take the chance and say, you know what, I'm living my dreams. I'm living everything that I've wanted to do. People are going to take shots at me, but it comes with the territory. And hey, that's all part of the game. I'm but I'm going to keep going forward. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. That's really, really great advice. Um, so you kind of talked about your process a little bit, but can you give us um, a little bit more of a time frame? How long does it usually take you to write a book? Yeah, you know, with the first book, it took about six months. Um, and the uh, the funny thing about it, and I don't know what your, what your process, hopefully you will tell me, but yeah. I, you know, I, and I don't know if it's 
I don't think it's a dyslexia thing or what, but with me, I have to write everything out in notebooks or legal pads, and then I transfer it to the computer. And it's just, you know, and, and the reason why I mention that is, is that if I were to just go straight to the laptop, I probably would have a hundred stories written by now because it takes so long. But there's just something about, you know, it's like, let me see if I've got my, got my pen here. I've got my, like my favorite fountain pen, you know, and nice, yeah. the way that it sounds on the paper and the way that, you know, the, just going through paper and writing and all that. And then, you know, being able to write on the side, okay, now don't forget this right here. And then crossing <laughs> things out and then circling things and all that. It's like, that's the way that I do it. And then once I get it done, I can transfer it to the laptop then. So that's my, that's the process. A lot of times, um, and I don't know about you, but with me, I'm what's called a panster, writing uh -huh. by the seat of your pants. So right. there's panters and plotters. And you know, plotters, you know, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, that's the way they do it. I totally respect that. But for me, I, I have to, you know, I've got the idea in my head and then I'll write it out. And then it's like, okay, well, let me change this here. Let's go this way with this. Um, as a matter of fact, in my first book, one of the main plots about the, the main character, um, Billy Caldwell, and I was thinking, okay, He's, he's, he's interesting, but what can I do to make him more interesting and kind of, you know, get that hook in there? I was driving home and the idea came to me, okay, he's going to be a secret agent. And it's like, oh, okay. So I'm right in the middle. I'm 280 miles down the road and I'm thinking, <laughs> this secret agent thing, I think this could work. So on my way home, that's all I thought about. So yeah. that was not anything written out. It wasn't anything planned, but it just came to me. So with my writing process, like I said, I'm a panster. So I'll, I have the idea in my head. I'll start writing, 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 writing. And then as I get it done, I'm like, hey, let's go this direction with this one. Let's, um, let's take it this way. Hey, wait a minute. I think it's going to take place in this, you know, so that's yeah. the way that, that I do it. So Nice. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I always tell people is I, I actually don't think that plotting and pantsing are terribly different. I think it's all the same, but it's just the way that you're getting it down. So I, I actually am a pretty hardcore outliner, but I also notice that when I outline, I have to do it by hand. You know, and then I can put it into a digital outline if I want. So I don't write everything out in notebooks like you do, although I do have one of the guys in my group always writes in a notebook and then transcribes it to the computer. So I know that that's, that's not an uncommon thing. But I think there's something about the movement of, of writing of your hand, you know, the physical movement that kind of gets your creative juices flowing. So everybody does it a little bit differently. But I think um, even most people who are pantsers, I, I, I kind of argue that they are still plotters. They just don't actually write it down. You know what I mean? You know, you're figuring out your plot as you're pantsing it, yeah. or people who don't write anything down, they're just really good at keeping it in their heads, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really all the same process. It's just the way that we individualize it, you know? Exactly. Well, the notebook is right here and all the, right. <laughs> everything is written down here and here and all. So no, I totally agree with that. That totally makes sense. So yeah. 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 And like, like you said, whatever works, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, the other thing I was going to tell you, Liesl, about that, what, one of the things I like about the way that I do it, and like I said, this is just personal preference, is when I get done with the book, right. and like, like for instance, if I look at, you know, Redhead um, uh, and the Ghost Rider, it's like I've got the book, and I see it in print, and it's, it's a euphoric feeling to see it and all that, but right. sometimes what I'll do is I'll go back to my notebook, and I'll, you know, open up the pages, and I'll see the scratched out lines, and I'm like, wow, he was going to be doing this here, but at that change, <laughs> or, but it's kind of like you see the blueprint, uh, as you're looking at the, the giant skyscraper when the unveiling comes. So that's one of the neat things right. about, you know, having it in a notebook is here's the, yeah. here's the beginning and boom, here's the final project. So. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, once you get a bunch of fans on your email list or whatever you do, you could even, uh, you know, they would probably really enjoy seeing that and kind of yeah. seeing behind the scenes. So that's another fun thing you can play with. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see, you, I was going to ask you I think that there are probably more male writers of romance than people think there are. Everyone always thinks romance is written by women. 
And I think that there are a lot of men who write it and write under pen names and stuff, so we don't always see them. But uh, do you get any pushback at all being a, a man who writes romance? Yeah, uh, fortunately so far, no. But but okay. I think that part of that is is that uh, I want to be true to the character. I want to be true to the process. And I also want to be true to the, to the women that, that read it and the men that read it as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had a question once where somebody asked, you know, you write about, you know, women and the, and the women in your book are so strong. You know, how do you know about that? And it's, it's obviously I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But it's, you know, I, I, I listen to my wife and I, you know, talk with her about things. And she's one of the strongest people that I know. And I take a lot of strength and a lot of uh, inspiration out of her. Um, you know, just, you know, even in the simplest, not simple as in the process, but, you know, one of the things that happens, you know, with, with women, you know, and families, they carry a baby. And it's like, I cannot imagine what that would have been like. And we have two kids and it's like, you know, she did it once and then she did it again. I'm like, my God, you have to be the strongest person in the world to go through <laughs> what she went through. And so I totally respect that. So going into writing female characters and I love, you know, Sarah Farnsworth is the uh, uh, female character in the first book. And I just loved writing that because it's like I could take the strength and the inspiration of what my wife goes through on a daily basis and incorporate those into the character. And hopefully, and you know, keep my fingers crossed, I stay true to the female uh, character, some of the emotions that they go through, some of the strength that they have to pull out uh, in certain situations. Um, part of the inspiration uh, in the first book, uh, my wife lost her job. And my wife has been very successful um, in what she does. She's in marketing. She's a vice president. And it was just one of those things where she lost her job. And, and her job was everything to her. And so when she lost yeah. it, she had this terrible feeling of, you know, uh, 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 self-worth where nobody wants me. I'm a terrible person. I'm the worst worker in the world, you know, whatever. It's just, it's bad. And so, you know, I had to kind of help her get through that. And, you know, it was kind of like we talked about, you know, the next day she kind of snapped out of it. She's like, you know what? I'm going to get back on the horse. I'm going to do whatever got a job, you know, pretty soon after that, and everything was great, but if you read wow. in the first book, what Sarah goes through, a lot of that, and, and in the book, Sarah is a doctor, she's a, she's a, a surgeon, an emergency room surgeon, and obviously, my wife is not an emergency room surgeon, but I was able to take <laughs> that adversity that she went through, and those feelings, when you hit rock bottom, and it's like, wow, I'm the worst person in the world, and then you get back on your feet, and you're like, you know what, I'm not, I can, I can do this, and then you, you go and have success, and so, um, I think that goes into, like you talked about, writing romance. It's like you have to stay true to the character. Um, you know, and, and I would never, ever do this, but I've read where women will talk about men who write romance, and it's like, oh, you talked about her breasts, and you talked about her heart-shaped bud, and, and I don't want to get too graphic, but I mean those kind of things. And it's like, right. that's, that's not what a woman, to me, that's not what a woman is about. It's here, and it's here. It's in the heart and in the head. Uh, I did that mm -hmm. wrong. Heart and then the head. There we go. <laughs> Um, and so that's why, you know, when I write romance, I want to make sure that I do that because if not, you know, you're just, you shouldn't even do it, you know, but, right. but that's my opinion about it. And if people want to write about, you know, graphic, you know, parts about that's fine. I respect that. But I, I just kind of look at it in, in a much different way. Um, one of my wife's um, friends that she knows uh, writes as well. And she said, you know, your husband ought to think about maybe, you know, in, in his uh, writing romance, maybe he should, you know, take on a female persona and have a female name. And, you know, I, I did think about it, but I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think yeah. that you have to stay true to yourself as a writer too. Yeah. Uh, because if I started writing, you know, romance under your name, you know, if I was, you know, Fiona Hutchinson, you know, whatever, people might say, hmm, I don't know about Fiona. He, she kind of writes like a man, you know, so yeah. I'm, sure that I'm totally transparent. So, yeah. But yeah.
it's not easy, but I think that part of our, our responsibility as writers is you have to put in the work, you have to put in the research, you have to stay true to this, otherwise your stories are gonna be very flimsy. Right, no, I, I agree, I was, I was gonna make that comment too. I think, um, you know, if, if you find the, the, you know, the, the readers that are your readers who will like what you do, they, they won't be as hard on you as a romance writer um, because they know you're a man and it's coming from a male perspective and they won't expect you to write like a woman, I guess is what I mean to say. But if you took on that yeah. persona, then they would, you know, so that's, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I've heard about men, you know, people complaining about men writing romance that way too. And so I'm sure it happens, but yeah, like you said, it's just about um, approaching it the right way because I, I, I think men who write quote unquote romance that way, they're not actually looking to write romance. They think they are but they're probably looking to write erotica. (laughs) And so you've got to not present that to the romance audience who's looking for the emotions, you know, rather than, so yeah, I I think it's about knowing your audience as well. (laughs) But it sounds like you know your audience really, really well. So I'm sure. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm just trying to follow everybody's lead. I'm trying to follow your lead too, because I'm sure you can (laughs) with your your audience. So yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to get it done. And, and, you know, and and like I said, writing is a passion and I'm just, I want to follow it for as, as long as, and as far as I can. Right. And I think that's really what it comes down to for most writers. You know, if it's so hard that you don't want to do it anymore, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Most of us, it's really hard, but overall, we just, we still want to do it. So that's why we're here, you know? I think uh, as a writer and as an author as well, uh, if you're not 100%, your heart is not into it, eventually you're going to get found out, you know, because Mm -hmm. you're going to hit the wall and you're going to say, you know what, I really don't want to do this. And so it's okay, that's fine. But Lisa, I'll tell you, there's there's been times where it's been two in the morning, and I've just been like, oh, oh, okay, let me write one more paragraph, or you know, whatever. Right. Or you know, I'm I, I did the audio book for the first one. You know, back to the thing, it was a shoestring budget for a uh, voiceover person. And since I'm in video production, I've got you know stuff on my laptop here that I can record and then edit and all that. And there were times where I'd be up at 4.30 in the morning saying, okay, I got to get this done before I go into my real job. Or, you know, it was 11 <laughs> o'clock at night and it's like, okay, God, I'm, I'm dead tired. I got to get up in the morning. But let me just do this one last chance. Yeah. 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 Well, you know you're passionate about something when you're willing to get up at 4.30 in the morning to do it, right? <laughs> and not squawk about it. It's like you wake up at 4.30 right. and you're like, hey, I'm looking forward to doing this instead of, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of us would say that about our day jobs, but not necessarily about our writing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you had asked about um, my pen names. I, I mean, I don't, I don't do any male personas, but I, I use three different pen names for the different genres only for a marketing reason to make sure that I can kind of differentiate them and get them to the right readers. But I also am really transparent about it. I use the same picture and I say in all of my bios that I write under all three. And when it comes to my, my email list, I have segments for the different um, genres, but I also have one that's just like an all genre segment because they know that I write all three. And if they read all three, they'll, you know what I mean? So I actually have an extra segment there. So I think that's really what it comes down to is just transparency and you're right. The right readers for your work will find you eventually. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, you know, sure. what is it about writing that, you know, that kind of like with me, it's, it's, you know, gets my heart beating a million miles an hour going, okay, I get to write or all that for you. What, uh, what inspired you to do it? And, and how, how have you stayed with it so long and, and keep going with it? You know, it's just, it's the thing that makes me happiest. I think, um, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a loaded question. I could kind of go on and on about it. So 
I've, I've always been someone who made up stories in my head. So I was always living in fantasy worlds more than outward. And it also has to do with my personality. I actually have kind of a hard time showing emotion outwardly. Um, I have to kind of train myself to do that. But I think the stories help me feel it inwardly. You know what I mean? So that it becomes sort of a balance sort of thing. And so that's why I always retreated to stories, you know, when I was younger, when, you know, anything happened at all. So it's always been kind of my safe place. And um, I want to share that with other people. And I get excited when everyone gets excited about the same story and about the same characters. And so it's just... It's just what lights me up, you know, yeah. <laughs> what I've no, always absolutely. done. Absolutely. And I'm sure you would, you, you would uh, maybe see a picture of something and think, wow, wouldn't it be cool if this person, you know, met this girl or this yep. event happened or this murder happened here and so on. And your mind just kind of takes you. I'm, I know that ha happens with me, you right. know, when I see a picture of something and it's like, wow, wouldn't that be cool? And then you just start writing the story, whether it's in your mind or on paper. And I'm sure you probably went through that same thing too. Yeah. Or else I would be even like watching movies or TV it would spark yeah. something. And then suddenly I'm not watching it anymore. I'm thinking like my own story. Up in my head. And it took me a long time to realize that like normal people don't do that. Only writers do that. <laughs> Didn't you say to yourself though, don't all, doesn't everybody do this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <that's> the same thing. <laughs> so funny, but it's one of those things. Once you kind of figure that out and, and why that happens and what you're supposed to be doing, it just kind of all clicks, you know, in a way that, that just makes you happy. So that's what's yeah. most important. Yeah. No, totally agree. <laughs> All right. Well, great. It's been so fun talking to you today. Um, I, I'd like to give you the last word. Is there any advice you want to dispense to other writers or anything you'd like to say to end? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for all the writers out there that watch this, never let anybody dictate to you what you can and can't do. If you have a dream, if you have a passion, you have a story in your head, you have a story in your heart, by all means, write it and don't ever look back because, you know, you never get a second chance to do uh, this kind of thing again. So I tell you, you are, just think to yourself, you are powerful, you are amazing, and no matter what it is, you can do it. That'd be my, my best advice. Oh, that's, yeah, very, very wise words. I love that. <laughs> you know, it seems like writing books, a book, is on most people's bucket list. Everybody says that once in their life, I'd like to write a book. But, you know, of course, the majority of people don't do it. So the sad thing is how many people are on their deathbeds thinking I never wrote that book, you know? And so, yeah. Point. Yes. Yes. I, I like what you said about that. Like, just, just do it. You know, even if you don't become a career author, even if it's not what you think it would be, at least you did it. And you can always say that you did it. So yeah, absolutely. Very, very wise words. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was so nice to meet you and talk with you today. Uh, you too, Lisa. And I look forward to uh, talking with you many more times to come. I'm sure we'll yeah. have more books to talk about and more things to discuss. And hopefully we will help uh, all the viewers out there that watch your podcast. For sure. For sure. I, I think they'll, they'll have a lot of really great takeaways from this that, that you've given them. So thank you so much. All right. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.